welcome to this week's episode of the Shot Clock Podcast with me, Jago. Today's guest is a Vincent Stallworth, somebody, a one-club man, not many of them left these days in any sport. Um, Dave Donnelly started with Vincent's, finished with Vincent's, and ended up coaching with Vincent's. Um, welcome to the podcast, Dave. Good to see you. Thanks, Chair. Great to be here. And uh, well done on all the episodes. I've been watching a few of them, so really enjoyed them. Well done. Good to hear. Good to hear. Glad you're enjoying them. Um, look, it's been weird. It's a weird and wonderful world we live in. My question for a lot of time was, how's COVID been treating you? And, you know, how's the lockdown? But let's, we're, we're being positive now. Things are opening up. How's it to be back training with the kids and, and, and getting back out into the world? Yeah, oh, it's great. Like, I mean, the lockdown was tough on everybody. The kids were, like, I have three kids of my own, so we were at home with them my own kids and we do enjoy each other's company so that was great but after a while even even us we had to get out so being back training and coaching I'm doing a bit of coaching outdoor basketball and even my young lad soccer team I help out with that as well so getting out and just being out and letting the kids run around and interact is brilliant you know so hopefully in a few weeks or months we'll be back to normal back to the way it was It'd be brilliant. fingers crossed fingers crossed and how are you like obviously your business is is going out and coaching kids and and, and doing fitness work with, on, on different sports like how how is it affecting you now are you getting the the magical phone calls now of yeah let's get back to go back going and get up and running again a little bit yeah like i do a few schools coaching a few primary schools and uh, I've been back doing a school out in Kinnegad. It's two days a week and it's outdoor. So that's brilliant. And I'm doing a class on a Friday where I would have normally done it inside. You know, I live in Selbridge here and we have the, the local community centre that I use. But, but now instead, I'm just doing it on an outdoor court at a primary school and it's working well. So uh, hopefully it continues and we, we get through the term because the kids uh, were supposed to get 10 weeks of training before Christmas and I had to stop it after one. I think we were in level two at the time. So. Yeah. Did one session and now we're getting the rest of the, the other nine sessions in now. So uh, it's really great to be back though. It is, it's fantastic. Like I, I went back coaching last week. Um I coached Fairhouse under 16 girls. I've just taken the team and to see their faces when they saw their friends again after so like they see them in school, but like on a basketball court, it's a different level. You know what I mean? And just to see yeah, the yeah. smiles and to, to hear their laughter, you're like, you know what? This it's a great time to be a coach because everyone's just so enthusiastic at the minute. Yeah, yeah, I think people are going to be like, I know people are saying you might lose a few players during lockdown, but I think a lot of people is going to be the opposite effect that people are going to come back with more enthusiasm and more, you know, they're just going to want to play more. So hopefully that'll be the case for basketball. It's been tougher for basketball with, the, with it being an indoor sport, you know. Yeah. I mean, my kids play a bit of other sports and a lot of them, like the soccer has been able to train away for a lot of the time. So in the Gaelic, they can do bits and pieces, but the, the basketball has been missing out. So Hopefully in September it'll be back to normal, back to the way it was pre-COVID. Well, I, I think getting the uh, the elite status for our, our national teams was the first. It was a step in the right direction. It's it's great. I watched the video of of Jason Clean hitting turnaround jump shots like he he hasn't been out of the gym there on uh, Instagram, and it's just fantastic to see them back training and and the women's team as well. So hopefully that filters down and and we all get a season again. You know, I want one more year in the Vincent's blue and gold. That's uh, that's my. There you goal. go. Yeah, good Vincent's man. Like you know, yeah, you're Jesus, a man now. Don't say that. Don't say that. I've a lot of friends on the south side. They say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so look, we're going to take it all the way back to the start. Um, who, what, or why inspired you to pick up a basketball? Well, I'm part of a basketball family now, I suppose. But when I was a kid, we we weren't necessarily a basketball family. You know, my dad played basketball for Vincent's back in the 60s and 70s, you know, and, uh, but he also played Gaelic. He was played for Dublin GAA, you know, he was captain of Dublin. And uh, so our first sport was Gaelic. All the brothers, we all played well, except for James came along later. He didn't have a choice. He had to play basketball. But <laughs> we played Gaelic first. I lived in Castlenock actually, um, from when I was one to when I was 11. So we played Gaelic football on the school team, the club, the local St. Bridget's club. And uh, then I wanted to play soccer. I was mad into the soccer and I, I got my parents to take me over to home farm. We joined home farm. I was the first brother actually to join home farm, play soccer. And then Carl joined and Emmett joined. So three of us were playing soccer for home farm. So um, my dad did take us over to Vincent's games. He had a season ticket in the 80s. And, but we, we didn't know about basketball. We just went over to a few games. But that was when, you know, Vincent's gym was absolutely packed. So 
did like that. That was the first taste I got of basketball, you know. But when I was 11, I was in sixth class or going into sixth class, we moved it over to Glasnevin. And uh, one of the reasons was to get close to home farm to play soccer. And uh, then Carl had played a bit of basketball. He went to Declan Secondary School uh, for first year and second year. And then he played a bit for Liam Hartigan and that. So when we moved to Glasnevin, we started going to Vincent School. And Carl took up the basketball straight away then. My older brother, although he wouldn't like admitting it now, he's my older brother. <laughs> and uh, he took up the basketball uh, straight away because he'd already played a bit in Declan. So he went straight away. I was in sixth class and I was about halfway through. My birthday's in January. I remember I was turned 12. And Carl was saying, you should go and play, you know, take do a bit of basketball. And I was playing the soccer and Gaelic in school and all that. So I said, oh, I might go, I might go. And then, I think somebody rocked up into our classroom, like Joey Boylan and one of the Americans or something for the Super League team. And he said, they're training, you know, tomorrow after school and you can come down. So I decided myself, I'll go down. So I know, I was pretty sure it was a week after my 12th birthday, it was my first training session. I went along and uh, just joined in a session with Joey. And uh, kind of the rest is kind of history, you know, like <laughs> once I got into the basketball then, because we were only new in the area, I didn't have many friends as such, but as soon as I joined the club, those lads became my best friends, you know, Vincent's. I think looking back on it now, Vincent's was a kind of a special place in the 80s and 90s, you know, like you don't realise it at the time, but but looking back now, like we were, we lived in that gym in Vincent's, you know, like, and those lads were, are still my best friends, you know, Gar Winders and John Keller and Jason Sherlock and all those lads. I went to school with them, they were you know, in my class or a year behind me or whatever. And then we, you know, we were in, we basically lived in the gym. Like our idea of a good Friday night was going up to Super League training and watching them, just watching the lads, you know. And then on a Sunday, we'd, we'd, we'd be putting out the seats for the Super League team. And, and we basically trained, like we're on the school basketball teams. I think like I, my, when I did my confirmation after that, that day was over, I got on a bus after the the mask was over. I got on a bus and went to the under 14 All Ireland with, with Joey and the lads. I was actually I was in the primary school, so I don't even think I should have even been going. But I went to the the, uh, the under 14 All Ireland Carls, and we stayed the weekend in Cork and played it. In those days, the school All Irelands were like two teams from each province, and just went to an 18 tournament. I was brilliant. Like I loved every minute of it. I think I played one more season at home farm in the soccer. Uh, under 13 where it was basketball and and soccer but then I just knocked the soccer on the head like I really love the sport actually I'm playing a bit of soccer now again over 35s but uh and I played in high school in America but um the uh at the time the basketball was just like when you got into it in Vincent's it was just like a drug you were there all the time we spent our whole weekends there poor Gary Winders and his family I used to spend the nights in their house I didn't want to go home they lived closer to the gym so <laughs> We used to like play two or three games on a Saturday and then I just go to their house for dinner and I'd ring my man and say, I'm just staying here. I'm staying overnight in the winters and I'd stay over and then we'd be back in the gym on Sunday morning, you know. So well, it was, it was a great, I think it was a great time, a great time in my life looking back on it, you know. It was a simpler time. Yeah, yeah. It really, like, it was and, and it's funny, like you mentioned, you know, you're from a basketball family. Obviously, Carl possibly one of the greatest players to ever play in this country. You're up there right with him. Emmett again, another superstar. James followed and, and did the same. Like, an unbelievable family of, of sports stars. And then, as you mentioned, you've Garrett and you've David Winders and Garrett Winders. And, and you're going, right, there's another family that came in. And it was on the yeah. Boylands. And, you know, it was the whole Vincent's ethos was family. And even now, like, yeah. I, know, I know we joked about it. But like I'm, I'm a Vincent's player, and I remember the first time walking into the gym, as you know, not as a Notre Dame player, and I walked in and, and went into that famous home dressing room that I'd never set foot in, and I'm sitting <laughs> looking around, going, "Well, I'm in, I'm, I'm in the Vincent's dressing room." Yeah, here. yeah. You know what I mean? But like it's a little again, bit nicer now. It's a little oh, bit nicer beautiful, now. Beautiful it's still now. Not it smells, great. It smells a little bit better as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like again, like it's families again. It's like the Nearys are involved now, and you know they're involved yeah. with the committee and the whole lot. And like the, the guys that I play with are a fantastic bunch. But again, it's it's old school players. It's Gareth Winders pulling people together 
to, to recreate what was there in the 80s and 90s, that drug that we all had. You know what I mean? Like friendships, as you said, friendships that you made 30 years ago are still as strong now, but they were, they were formed in a basketball hall on a, in, in dust and, and yeah. sweat and, and tears. And, like, and, and, you know, it's just, it's like beautiful. Say, things have changed. Like we lived, we lived in that gym. Like, like yeah. we used to rock up on our bikes. We used to cycle everywhere. And there'd be about 15 bikes to the side of the gym. And, and we, we'd just go in and play. And, and you'd stay for the next training session. And even if you weren't on the team, you might say, oh, can I join in the next session or whatever, you know? And I know I'm the same. My kids now, I drive them to training sessions. And then we leave. As soon as it's over, you leave, you know? But in those days, we just, we you might go down to the 7-Eleven for a, like a slushy, and then come back. And then you'd be <laughs> watching. If you're not playing the next game, you're watching the next game. like. And it was some experience, like you just you were there around in and around it so much. Like well, here's a, here's a question the school, for you. School teams. Here's a question for you. Right? So so you're you've been involved. You've, you've you're coaching. You've you've coached the highest level. You're back coaching kids again. I've heard some NBA players saying it, and you know, on different different people. Do you feel that this generation just don't watch enough of the game to learn about the game? Like we. I was the same as you. I was in the gym 24-7. When the gym opened, I was there. I was the last one out. I was on the outdoor courts. I was watching the older guys, waiting for that invite, that magical invite when there was only nine, and they looked across at the younger lads and went, right, who can, who can mix it with us? Right, pick him. And you got that first uh, one. But I feel now kids <clears> just don't watch enough of the game to learn the nuances, the, the small little things that make a difference, that progress you in your career. Would you agree, disagree? What, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, I I haven't been, I coach little kids now, so I haven't been around the kind of 16, seven-year-olds a lot lately. But even when I was playing Super League, I was coaching, say, under 16s, under 17s in Vincent. And even at that stage, the kids I found anyway in Vincent's, they just arrived up at training and got to lift home and all of that, you know. So I'd agree with you. I don't... I'm sure there are exceptions. I'm sure there are lots of kids who are just eat and drink basketball. But for a majority of kids nowadays, I'd say a lot of them just kind of do their training session, they go home, and then they do their other things. They have so many different interests, you know. So I'm sure there are some kids around Ireland who like treat it like we did, like it was a drug and they play it 24-7 and they look, they watch it. Like, but I'd say a lot of the kids don't. I'd say a lot of kids just kind of come, you play your maybe one or two hours a week or whatever. And then they play their match the weekend and that's it, you know. But yeah. I don't think those kids are getting the same education that we got. No, for sure. No, we grew we grew up watching. Like, I, there's nothing better than watching a game and, and trying to figure out how somebody did something. You know what I mean? And going, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going back like, to practice that. Even when we were, when I started, it was obviously, the, well, it was around the late 80s. So we, they were showing basketball on TV and the NBA. Like, we were watching Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, you know, and then we'd go to Vincent's on a Sunday afternoon and watch like Calvin Troy and uh, Kenny Perkins. These were the Americans for Vincent's, you know. And then our coach was Joey Boyle and he was playing Super League. Like, yeah. he built, like Joey was a young, cool coach when I started playing. You know, he was in his, in his 20s, late 20s, early 30s. And he was, he was taking us to America to call it, or to uh, camps. We, we went over for two summers well, I went over for two summers. Joey went about five or six years in a row. And he took kids to a Pocono Invitational Basketball Camp. You know, we did, I did five weeks in Poconos as a bus boy. You know, you're working, uh, kind of doing the dishes or whatever your job was. And then you were playing basketball all day, like nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night. Like, so we did that stuff in the summer. And then we're coming into our season, getting ready for that. You know, I actually took some kids then when my younger brother, James, I took him and Kevin Foley and, and uh, Dermot Madsen, people like that, over for a few weeks of uh, Pokemon Invitational. So I did that. I was in my early 20s when I did that as well. So that was a cool thing to do. You now I'm hoping that when my kids are older, if they do like basketball a lot, that I might take them over to the States for camps as well. It's a great experience. You know? Yeah, it's unreal. Unbelievable. Jeez, that's, that's great to hear. Look, so Vincent's man from day one till, till day, day's end. Over the years, who's uh, who's been your favorite teammate and why? And like the list of people you played with, this is a really tough question for you. Yeah, you could just stay with family I knew, alone. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I played with all my brothers. I played with them. I played with Carl and Emmett a little bit underage because we would play up and play down. And yeah. Played with uh, myself and Carl and Emmett played together a little bit Super League. And then myself, when Carl finished, myself and Emmett and James played together. So I loved playing my brothers, you know, and loads of teammates, like I was saying, underage, Jason, Sherlock, Gareth, Winders, like John Keller, John Clancy, they, these guys are my best friends. Like Cameron Day is a, one of my best friends from underage. And they were they were brilliant teammates, you know. And then I have Super League. I played like Steve McGurk, Mark Keenan. I loved playing with Mark Keenan. Actually, as a point guard, he was unbelievable at finding it in terms of his passing ability. He was amazing. Um, but actually, for the top teammate, I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna give it to Jermaine Turner. Because uh <laughs> And he gets it not for longevity, really for one season, because we had a great season together in 2005 06. And uh, he did play with us a bit after that, but not for a full season. He was kind of coming and going. And then obviously he went to Colester and had great success later. But yeah. in that year, I, I had never won a, a league or a cup before that year. And uh, I was actually in the States in college when Vincent's had their most successful time and they won like the treble and stuff like that. And uh, when I came back, we we got to a few cup finals. We won a few top fours, you know, the, the national championship and yeah. such. But you wouldn't consider that a top prize. So in 2005-06, we, we, we had a decent team. But at that stage, Carl had stopped playing. Stephen had stopped playing. Mark Keane had stopped playing. I think John Clancy stopped playing. So it was really a core group of like Emmett, me, James, uh, Owen Darling, a couple of other good players, Joey McGurk, a couple of solid players. I'm not going in with great expectations, but um start of the season, actually Jermaine was playing for Talk Rovers. And uh he Talk Rovers folded after about six or seven games of the season. That season yeah. I think yeah. they were 0 and seven. I think that he himself and Kenny McFarlane would be Americans. Yeah. And when this happened, we were like, I was helping Joey pick the Americans at this stage. I was captain and I was helping, I was on the committee. So we were like, you know, these guys are available now. Let's Let's try and jump on him. I think, I think Joey might have wanted Kenny McFarlane at the time, but I think, I think Kenny went abroad for, for a couple of games. And I remember going up to Jermaine was in an apartment in Finglas, and I went up with the contract for him to sign. I said, you know, Jermaine, you got to come to us. And like he, he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come, come, come. So he signed the contract. He was at training then uh, the next night, and just his first training session. I remember like him dunking like fifteen times or something in the first 10 minutes, you know, and he's just so athletic and it was so exciting to have a player like that on the team. And our pre, our, the Americans we started the season with were kind of just average guys. We brought them over from the States. They were nice guys, decent players, but not somebody you're going to win a league with, you know. So Jermaine came in, like all this athleticism, just and great enthusiasm, like such personality. So as I was saying, I was captain, but he was like a co-captain. He was like the leader, you know, of the team. And at that stage, I don't think he'd won anything in basketball in Ireland either at the time. Like he'd been around the league and for a few different teams, but he, I, I don't think he'd won anything. But we kind of started winning when he he came on board. And and at that at that year, it was a playoff system, so we didn't have to get the best record. So we got whoever won the playoffs was the league champion. So. I think we came in third or fourth in the table, but we had to beat, like, we had to beat Clarny at home, I think, to get into the top four. And then there was the, the playoffs were in down in Demons, and Demons were the best team record-wise, and we had to play them in the semi-final. And Jermaine was amazing. And, like, I was, I've never been so confident as a player, as a team, than I was that year, because we just clicked at that time for the last, like, 12, 13 games of the season, we were clicking. Main was playing amazing. And then we, you know, I think we actually picked up Kenny McFarlane's our other American. We picked him up near the end of the season because he, he came back. He came back because I, I must not, he got injured actually. And he had a bad ankle and he basically was on a bum ankle playing for us at the end of the season. And he couldn't even play like 40 minutes. Like I think he used to play like 20, 25 and Joey McGurk would come in and sub in for him. But we end up beating Demons in the semi final. Then we beat Limerick. And they had a good squad, you know. We beat them by 20 or 30 in the final. So it was just an amazing season. And Jermaine was amazing. And 
you know, I, I'd be forever grateful that that was the league title that I won, the Super League title I won. And uh, hopefully he's grateful as well. I think he learned to win a bit that season as well, you know. Well, look, unfortunately, he took it. He took it to Colester and won a lot more with them. <laughs> that's the unfortunate but, thing. Uh, he took, it, took his winning ways to, to somewhere else. That's it. But I think he has an excuse because he kind of married into the club. So that's, uh, that's why you'll never hold it against him. No, we couldn't. Uh, he, we couldn't. Definitely not. Definitely. Look, an amazing player. He was such an energy guy. He really like he was yeah, yeah. An energy guy. He'd just get you. He'd get you up. You know, and he'd get I the think, crowd behind you and like. Yeah, yeah, and he, I think he's around, my, he's around the same age as me, and we were about 30, 31 when we won that that league together, and it took that while for me, me to mature, probably for him to mature, and then he went on into his thirties and won like four or five more leagues or cups or whatever it was with Leicester. So he did all right. Pretty decent teammate to have, all right. I, I, t- I take him. I take him. So over the years. Who has been your toughest person to guard and then who played you the hardest on defense? Toughest person. Well, when I came in the league, I think the toughest people, Irish players for my position, were like Gareth Maguire. Like he was tough to guard. He was constant movement, you know, you were tough. But um other people like Pat Glover playing against him and Marion and John T and then Kerry, like Brian Clarendon was another one. Down in Cork and Kerry and, and Ronan McGarity, Ronan Garrity, Ballon Yeah, yeah, Ballon yeah. He was he was a really tough player for a while. He played yes. guys as well. So but uh I think the toughest I'm gonna say I had to guard Americans a lot of the time. Like Joey would put me on. If there was an American who was six foot to six foot five, anywhere in that range, I was gonna be guarding him until Emma came back from college and he guarded the point guards. But I was guarding a lot of Americans, and I think the toughest guy would probably be Michael Bonaparte. He's actually playing for Vincent now too. But yeah, when he first came in the league, and he was young, and he was playing for Gloucester, and I was playing for Vincent, and he was so tough to guard. And I used to pride myself on my defense, and I used to think I was doing a really good job on him. And I'd be like, "This is amazing! I'm doing a great job." And then I'd look at the box score afterwards, and he'd have 30 points. You're like, "Holy <laughs> crap!" You know. So. I give it to I give it to Bonaparte. And Boney's still doing it now. I can't believe, yeah, he's still going. He's playing well. Like he's a good player. Yeah. yeah. So he came he came into the my first year back. So what was that? Oh six. He came in with, with Calester. Okay, yeah. So that's his first year, is it? So he yeah, must have been, yeah, coming in when I was nearly finishing up. But yeah, I was only I just remember some game. of the battles. Some of the battles that I had trying to chase him around. Yeah. Don't know if he even remembers me guarding him as well, but that uh, it was tough. I remember going to well, I went to watch Vincent's against Dublin Lions out in out in Clash de Breda two years ago, and he got a putback dunk off at missed free throw. And yeah, was, and if he's doing that now, imagine what he was doing when he was, was when he was in his twenties. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. I was like, how old is he? I was trying to figure out. I was like, how old is he now? Like, yeah, yeah, he can do everything as well. Shoot, still very like, athletic. Still very like still has uh, it. Very smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great player, great player. So who played you the toughest on D? Who did you hate going up against? Yeah, yeah, the, the person I thought was the most most annoying. He actually didn't guard me all the time. But uh, it was I, I'm going to say Johnny Grinnell. He, he was usually guarding the point guard, but he would always come over and trap you and bump you and do different things. And he would always take a charge on a fast break. It was just annoyed. And I always knew, like I knew, I thought I knew what he was going to do. And, it would just be so annoying because you know, like you get out on a two-on-one break, it's so enjoyable. You're either gonna make the pass or you're gonna fake the pass and take a shot. And we used to practice that so much in Vincent. We'd always do our fast break drills, and I'd be like, "Yes, this is a fast break time." But anytime Johnny Grinnell was there in the two-on-one, if he was the one, he'd be able to just figure out some way to not make like he's playing for the pass, and then he'd step over and take the charge. So I'd say. Like he would have guarded me a little bit, but more so he would just be annoying coming over and trapping you and bumping you without getting caught for a foul. You know, he wouldn't do it with his hands, he'd be bumping you with his chest and stuff like that. So he was crafty. That's there's the word, perfect word from crafty. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely great player. He he was successful and he's doing pretty well coaching wise as well. Like it's great to see, so solid, yeah, like so smart and so solid, yeah making that transition it's not easy but he's doing really well with it 
So, basketball players on our routines, on our superstitions, what have you, or have you any? I was trying to, I was trying to think yeah. back to when we played together. I was like, did they, did they do anything different? Like, I couldn't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't have huge superstitions. I, I, I always wore number eight in Super League. I never wore anything different. I still wear it in Masters. I'd always wear number eight. I had a few things. I'd have them for like a year or two where I do like in the warm-up, I do the same type of feel. Like, you know, when you go into layups, I do, I'd have my routine where I do right-hand layup. And I, next time I come in and do a left-hand hook shot. And then I do a bank shot. And then I do, you know, you have your thing that you do. And I did that every time. It's, more kind of to get myself in rhythm than to uh, than anything else. A few things like that, but not really other than that, like that would be the number eight the was the thing. big thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Number eight, yeah. We were always in the you had to get four to fifteen. Yeah. Carl was number thirteen all the time with you. Yeah. yeah. So that's right. Yeah, yeah I remember I Carl wearing thirteen actually, yeah. Yeah, what happens yeah. now if, if I get to the Masters like with Vince and Sue, like do, uh, do I just have to bow well, down? I think Carl's Carl packed it in now. You're all right. You can get to Am I safe? That's okay. Then. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I have to play with the Declan, Declan's lads, Tony McDonough and Al Kennedy, Eddie Gelson. Yeah. I couldn't. They're the super. That's the super team of super league. We keep getting to the Masters and losing oh, yeah. to the whatever team Ricardo's playing for. That's the team we lose to. So we played for Declan's a few times. Scotty Summersgill, like we, yeah, we were stacked. And then Big Gabe Jackson came over and played. Yeah, yeah. Well. So like we were, yeah, we were all right. <laughs> you, who beat Joe's boys? Beat you in the semi-final. Yeah, that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that was the one year Ricardo didn't knock us out. Usually, it's Ricardo beats us in the semis or the finals. But I had it. They're so much fun those tournaments. So yeah, open. There's an outside chance we could get to play this year. Rumor has it August. I moved it to August. Yeah, yeah. So I've, heard, nice. I've heard the rumor on the grapevine that it's August. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, so that's my, my pre warm up for the season. You know, play the Masters Great, just yeah, to get yeah. the body back and then see how I feel. Make that. Yeah, decision. it takes me a few weeks to recover. You need a you need a week off training. Ask Garrett for a week off training. Garrett Winters isn't giving me a minute off training. Never <laughs> Not a hope. Not a hope. So growing up in the eighties, nineties. Some great basketball shoes out there. If you could order a Dave Donnelly pair for the rest of your life for Nike or whoever to, to build this shoe for you, what's your what's your all-time greatest shoe? Yeah, I I didn't have a particular shoe when I was younger, but I always liked Nikes, like Nike Air. If it said Nike Air on it, I was buying it, you know. <laughs> and I actually, I would love, I never had a pair of Jordans, but I always liked the look of them and never splashed out as such I was just said oh whatever Nike Air I can get I get so maybe maybe I should get one now maybe I should get a pair of Jordans treat, treat myself. yourself treat yourself yeah, you, yeah. Deserve, you deserve it type. you know you that'd be nice it. you know the, the pair that were white with the kind of black and red mesh there was kind of a mesh kind of size of them Pac Lover pulled them out on his one Jordan 4s did he yeah yeah yeah, he oh, had, yeah. Like, midway through the year i said so what's your favorite shoe and he's like well i would have worn the, the patrick ewings i was like geez i remember them and he goes yeah but this is my oh, yeah. i was like yeah. where did you get that from yeah oh, the masters good. goes ahead if the masters go to goes ahead i'll have to order a pair of them online definitely pair myself, stock, yeah. x, stock x is where to get them but the prices are just disgusting like it's a mortgage payment for a pair of shoes it's just ridiculous yeah yeah that's why i never got a pair all through my life i never treated myself three kids dave you, you'd be doing well to get yeah. them oh we do well though yeah <laughs> have to be christmas and birthday present jesus so it's look again it's one of these questions it's you and four others going to a pickup game positionally it can be people you've played with people you've played against or you know wished you'd played with I'm going to tell you now, regardless of when this episode is released, you'll be playing the Lane Scallies team because... Yeah, I see they're unbeaten. Yeah, yeah, there's unbeaten. no chance. She couldn't even... The, like, the, the 96 Bulls couldn't even beat them. It was a 50-50 <laughs> with the 96 Bulls. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> so, who are you taking to the gym? Are you got, Here's the magic one. Are I, you going to know, Isaac, and are you going to go all family? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going close. I'm going close. I would. Nice. I would like, if you can get us all in our primes, I would take my three brothers, yeah, and I'd take Jermaine as well. My, right, so we're going em, Emmett at the point. Emmett at the point, yeah. James at the Carl, two. 
Oh, Carl. Carl, at the, well, Carl, well, he was a point guard when he was younger. Yeah, I'd say yeah. Carl. Well, too much of a muchness anyway. Yeah. James, we're going to be playing small ball five out anyway. It's going to be. There's, there's the modern day. We go five out, read and react. <laughs> That's it, yeah, yeah. Because uh, so Emma, James, James Carl, be... you and JT. I'll have to be at the four, yeah. Jermaine at the five. We play small ball. We play like the Golden State. We play That's... five out, I think. That's a tough fairness, Because you're talking, I think, I'm obviously biased, but I think Emmett was probably the best defensive guard in the league for like 10 years. Absolutely. I think Carl was probably the best Irish player in the league for at least four or five years before he took up Ga again. And he had to he had to play. And then James, when he first came to the league, he could just flat out shoot the lights out, you know. Yeah. So he could spot up. I could do a bit, a bit you're of everything, a bit of helping you're out. You're selling yourself, Dave. You could do more than Let's be fair. Crafty. I could do a little bit. I could be a bit crafty the, as well. The year, so. we played, the year we played together on the Irish team, um, I was I was so excited to play with you and Emmett, first and foremost, because I was, I, like we'd always matched up against each other. Oh, that's nice. But never got to hit <laughs> you. So then when we, we got together and we got to play together, and, and you were captain that year, and, and a great captain, by the way. But um, Thanks, just, we didn't we didn't behave ourselves as we best. We didn't behave ourselves. Look, it was under 23. We were at that weird yeah. transitional phase. Whether it like, was. You know, I think it was the only ever under 23 tournament, wasn't it? I think they were the only ever under 23. I wonder why. I wonder why. But look, playing with you, like 12, 12 to 15 feet, you weren't missing a jump shot. You just, you weren't missing. You know what I mean? That little, that little bank, like you, you were money nice. all day, every day. So it was like, yeah, give it up. You could start jogging back on defense because you knew it was going in. There was no stress. You could take you could take people off the dribble. Like to say that you could do a little bit is a, a serious undersell, in my opinion. I, st- I still well, think I, you're one of the best players to play in this league. I pride myself on being able to be quite good at, at everything. In the yeah, game, I could play defense, do pass, shoot a little bit at times drive and so on but yeah I probably I didn't have that specialty where you were brilliant at one thing you know I wasn't well, look, amazing thing but longevity you knew you knew your role Dave and you played your role to perfection that's for me that's yeah. that's what a good player is you know what I mean somebody who says right this is what I need to do day in day out and I'll do it and you didn't need to score 30 points a game you had somebody else there to do that but if you stopped whoever you were guarding hitting 20 points a game you you done what you needed to do, you know what I mean? Like just look, you're underselling yourself. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Like, anyway, look, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna stop blowing. The only thing is with that five for <laughs> with that five for pickup, I think Jermaine would be complaining a lot because uh, he used to when we play when he played with three Donnellys, he used to say those damn Donnellys. That's what he always said. Gee, God love so him if you had to four. If you had to play with four. You <laughs> <laughs> might not be too happy, and I would. We, we didn't, one of the, the other things is the four of us never got to play together. Like, even in pickup, we never, like, the four of us, I don't remember us ever playing, except for one one time we stepped on the court. Um, I was, you know, when the American college teams used to come over in preseason, yeah. like the, the like the Division Three or two teams used to come over and we played them just before the season started. So at that stage, Carl had stopped playing Super League, but he was still playing a bit of B1. He couldn't play Super League because he had the job and in basketball Ireland so he had to stop playing Super League where he could have played for another few years and played with James but just didn't work out like that so the four of us I remember stepped onto the court against this American team and just I was looking around going oh the four of us are together this is finally happening you know I think it lasted about three minutes and then one of us got thrown out one of us got ejected Emmett I'm pretty sure it's Emmett got into a fight with uh, Emmett don't get ejected from a game never one of the American Feisty little Division Three point guards just got in each other's faces, and the two of them got ejected from the game. So it didn't last. So I don't even think the four of us have played together for more than those three minutes. Masters on the same team in a five on five. Masters, Masters ball. That's where you have to do it. One more year. Yeah, I don't know. Carl's packed in the Masters, and James isn't old enough yet. So it's a, get 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 it the old never happen. back. <laughs> it never happened. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to shift gear a little bit. 
Top five musical artists of all time. What does Dave Donnelly listen to to chill out? Uh, that's that's a funny one because I'm not like I'm not a muso at all. Like I wouldn't growing up, I didn't listen to like a lot of CDs or tapes or go to concerts or anything. So the music I heard was mostly from movies or you know you're going out dancing in your twenties. Like so, but now actually since the the lockdown, I actually am on Spotify. I've discovered Spotify, so I think we were the last family using CDs and stuff like that. So, um. <laughs> I, I am on Spotify now and I started listening to like and basically the other thing is I didn't I never was into like hardcore rap or hardcore rock or anything so it's more just pop music and I'm I'm old enough now where I can admit that and not give a shit you know or not care you know so <laughs> and just say uh, my my musical the people I listen to now on Spotify is Ed Sheeran that's my favorite he'd be I think he's a genius just every song is a hit so yeah easy listening and then George Ezra be another one. Two for two. And, uh, Maroon Five. That's uh, they're cool. Like a lot of their songs, I find myself listening to again and again. So, and uh, one person I listened to when I was younger is Billy Joel. So he'd be number four. That was that's actually one concert I've been to in Crow Crow Park. I went to see him, and uh, he uh, the fifth person I'm going to give to uh, Beyonce. That's like from going dancing in your 20s just listen to Beyonce and Destiny's Child and all that and being after a game on a Sunday down in my gowns you know dancing to the latest Beyonce tune <laughs> that's a good show yeah we'll give you we'll give you that five there there's solid five so warming up three songs three songs to warm up to can you remember back from all your playing days what were the three songs that used to get you fired up yeah I'd have to go for some classics I think well First, I go for I Got a Feeling, Black Eyed Peas. That's kind of more recent. Yeah. But uh, that's kind of another dancey tune to get you going. And uh, I go for then songs from movies. So from Rocky, Eye the Tiger. Everybody, other everybody has said Eye the Tiger. It's just such yeah, an iconic song. You can't, that's our era, isn't it? That's yeah, our, absolutely. you know. Uh, and then uh, from Top Gun, Danger Zone, you know, Highway to the Danger Zone. That was one of our favorite movies. Was Top Gun growing up, and I'll even remember going to parties with Vincent's lads, and you just have in one room Top Gun playing over and over again, and that song coming on <laughs> over and over again. Another song, another room would be playing music or whatever, but you just have Top Gun playing in the background. So I'm delighted to hear that Tom Cruise is making another one. Isn't the new one now? It's supposed to, it was supposed to be out last summer, but they they postponed it till this summer or something. Yeah, it looks. I've seen the yeah. trailer. It looks it looks watchable. Uh, yeah, yeah. Probably, probably even the original probably is crap now. If you went back and looked at it, but just, I know I've watched it. I watched it during lockdown. I, I had a nostalgia week where I went, you know, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Top Gun. I went through all. Oh the yeah, classic. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. and they still work they still work it's yeah, still, yeah. still classic movies you know I've been rediscovering Star Wars with my kids during lockdown actually because they yeah. never watched it so we've watched the first six now I have to watch the last three with them now so well that's that's some serious TV watching yeah yeah my, my, my initial thing was I'm going to watch all the Marvel movies during lockdown oh so I think yeah I've, I like Marvel I think I've two or three left but like that, you know, it's got to the stage now where I was like, oh, where do I leave off? I can't even remember because yeah. like that was March or April. It was like, There's like 20 Marvel movies anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Hard. And more to come. Like, it's just, what well, it's amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So, 16-year-old well, yeah. Dave Donnelly, you have him in front of you right now. What advice would you give him? Knowing everything that you've learned over the years, what advice would you give 16-year-old you? Probably like to have a good, long sit-down. <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> And have a few words, but I'd say the main things. The main, the main thing I'd say is probably like do things. Firstly, do things with confidence. You know, like play. If you're playing basketball, play with confidence. You know, I still a bit suffer from nerves, and I and and it probably my 16 year old self might not believe it because I, at that stage I hadn't really been nervous as such. But. Uh, because you're so busy playing when you're that age. You're, I played four or five teams for Vincent's, you know. I, was, I never had a chance to be nervous. I'm just, we were in finals every other week, you know. We had a lot of success, thankfully. But then as you get older, it gets tougher and you're going to different teams. And 
I played like my first game for under 17 Irish team. I played away in England. We played a, in, in Birmingham in front of it, like a, it was a huge crowd because before their national cup final, it was like a 10,000 seater stadium or something. And I got nervous and I remember shooting two air balls and scoring two points. And it was like one of the worst, it was my 17th birthday. It's one of the worst experiences in basketball I had. And just the nerves got me. And then like, luckily I was able to get over that. And we, like we went to the four countries later and I managed to play really well and be top scorer and all that. But it's something I had to get over. I had to conquer like in, again in, in college in America, I was very nervous. My first couple of seasons, like just any chances I got to play in the varsity team, I was like, oh, tensed up and didn't show my best. And again, it took me probably to my last two years in college to to even play anywhere near my best. I don't think I did my college team in the States saw my best basketball at all, like what I was capable of. And when I came back to Super League, I still was a bit low on confidence and it took me a couple of years to get into my stride. I definitely had my best seasons when I was in my, you know, late 20s, early 30s. I'd gotten comfortable at that stage and that was when I played my best. But I, I would say to my 16-year-old self, don't be nervous. Don't play with confidence. Just try and forget it. I don't know if I could change my personality that way, but the stuff I would say to him, like, don't, don't regret, you know, I would never regret, say, games I lost where I played, I played hard and you did your best. Like, that's what, for most of my Super League career, I, we didn't win Cups or anything, but I got the Cup Finals and we lost to Notre Dame by two points. Like, that team was stacked, like, it was five Americans, I think, Jenkins and... Lenny was there, it was Randall. Lenny, they were the Bosman players, like three yeah. Bosmans. Were you there in that air there? Yeah, were you on that team? No. I think Eric Blair hit the buzzer beater. Quit at that stage. <laughs> yeah. Eric Blair was only around. He hit the buzzer beater, beat us by two points. But we gave everything we had. That was an amazing game. And we played well. We, you know, we competed on every aspect of the game. I think one of our Americans got injured actually. He was Garden Jenkinson. And he got injured near the end of the game. And Jenkins just went on a little five, two minute tear where he scored five or seven points. And yeah. That killed us, you know, but we had that game. And the other American, our other American only scored two points. Steve McGurk had a game, his life scored 30. Like. But it was a great game. And I would never regret a game like that. It's just that, that I'd say to my young self, if, if you, you know, you're going to play, you're going to do things in your life, do it with confidence. Just life is too short. Don't be nervous. Just play. Just go everything full tilt. Don't give a crap, you know. And the only things I would regret is like going onto the court and being a bit nervous or being a bit tentative, being, oh, what am I supposed to do here? You know, like that kind of way. So I'd say that would be the biggest thing I'd say, you know, in terms of just just be confident, just go out there. And if you if you don't think you're confident, fake it till you make it. That's, you know, just keep, <laughs> act like you're confident, you know, act like you're confident and you will be, you know, you just play it. So that's stuff I had to do. I had to get over through my career. So, I, and I, you, I found ways to do that myself, you know, but even go out and get help, you know, my college coach in the States asked me to go and talk to a psychologist and I was like, ah, I don't think I don't want to do that, you know, but if I had a chance to do it, I'd go back and I'd, I'd go and talk to the person straight away, you know, and that, that could have helped me at the time. Maybe I would have got over it quicker instead of having to wait so, so much longer, you know. I'd probably have a bit of practical advice as well and say, I, in terms of, I started lifting weights in America and I, I lifted the wrong way. I, I I used to get programs and just do it myself and do, I pick this bit and do this bit. And you know, in those days it was all about biceps and chest, like pecs. And I just used to bench and do curls. And only later did I realize like I was in my mid to late twenties and somebody analyzed me and said, your knees are like, you're injured. Like you had a serious knee injury. And I never had a serious knee injury, but I was never doing squats and I was never working on my core. So only kind of, my late 20s that I start doing a bit of that like working your core working your just doing lunges and squats even if it's no weight I didn't have to be lifting huge bench weights you know so I think I like I remember in my early 20s having trouble with my lower back I was thinking at the time ah oh, I'm just getting older this is I'm, I'm in my 20s now I must back pain must be part of life when you're in your like remember now I'm in my 40s I have no back pain you know like so if you look after yourself better, you know, if I'd have been, if I'd have, if I'd have known like to just really work on your core strength and your squats, do squats, get your leg strength up. Because I thought my my uh, logic was, sure, I'm running around playing basketball and 
all the time. I don't need to do leg weights, you know, but just a little bit of squatting to keep those legs strong, you know, would have made all the difference. Solid. So that'd be my, my practical advice. Look. And then if you're in better physical shape, that helps the mental side as well. That would have probably it's helped. It's all me. a knock-on. It is all yeah, a knock-on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're walking out onto that court feeling good. So if you feel yeah. good and you're walking on, whatever noise is going on around you, you're not even paying attention to because you know deep down you, you're ready. Big time, yeah, yeah. You're ready to go. You like know? When I was in underage in Vincent's, I felt like I was on top. Like We trained so hard in Vincent's underage, so I felt like we were working harder than anybody else, you know. And like I was, felt like I was in such good shape. I was so fit, you know. But then Super League, especially early days, I was kind of, I came back from America, I was kind of, after I graduated from college, I went on a bit of a tear, you know, a few drinks and a few uh, barbecues and stuff like, and I took, I'd say it took me a year or two to kind of get in Super League to shed that bit, a little bit of weight and just kind of get into serious shape, you know. So that is the mental side and the physical side. That's the reason why I was much better in my, towards the end of my career than at the start, you know. Great advice. Fantastic advice for anybody, young or old, you know what I mean? Especially just yeah, yeah. Yourself, have that confidence. So, second last question. Dead or alive, five dinner guests. Friends, family are famous. Who are we inviting over to dinner? Yeah, that's a tough one too. Like, I obviously love to have dinner with my family and all as well, my extended family, because we haven't been able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. We're in lockdown and like friends who are away. My, I think my friend Cameron saw Pete Madsen's version on that. Cameron used to play basketball. He said, "You better pick me for that that question about the, <laughs> the meal." But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with famous people because uh, I don't, I won't upset too many friends and family. I think I'm gonna go with famous people, and uh, the first person is John Wooden, so the UCLA coach, bring him back from the dead, and uh, yeah. he I think he'd be amazing because like he was so successful. I read like two of his books before I coached Super League, just before the season, before the summer, before I started coaching Super League. And then I took a lot of what he said and tried to implement it, you know, the pyramid of success and that type of thing and playing your best. And obviously Joey is my main mentor as a as a player. Like I learned nearly everything about basketball. I, I learned from Joey Boylan, but, but John Wooden would be amazing just to get that insight, you know. Yeah. So I'd have him at the dinner. And then my second person would be Jurgen Klopp. Because uh, I'm a big Liverpool fan, and I always uh, liked you, Dave Donnelly. I always liked you. Yeah, I saw your Liverpool on Facebook as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're, I think Jurgen Klopp would be great for an insight into sports and stuff, but also great crack. I'd say he'd be yeah. a great <laughs> laugh to have, you know, at the dinner. So uh, good German wouldn't mind his beer either. So that's true. Very true. We'd have him on board, and then I'd have uh, Des Bishop. You know, Des Bishop is a comedian. Brilliant. So he'd be a brilliant bit of crack. And uh, I think he's around my age as well. And he's, when he was, when I was going to America to high school, he was coming to Ireland to do, uh, to do like boarding school, I think. So he has that American Irish, you know, connection. So I think he'd be great crack. Um, the other, the fourth person, I, I have LeBron James. Um, I think he'd be great in terms of his insight into sports and stuff. He also, you know, he's a part owner of Liverpool, so he'd have that connection with Jurgen Klopp Jürgen, there. Yeah, very true. Very uh, true. Yeah. I don't even think, I don't, I might not tell him this at the dinner, but I don't think he's the best player ever. I think Jordan's the best player ever, but I would, I think LeBron is interesting, though. I'd say he'd be in terms of his, his basketball and also his, his, his general business. outlook on life, like yeah, his yeah. off the court stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's very, he's very good that way. I heard, heard an interesting one the other day. Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, but LeBron James will have the best career of all time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely <laughs> true. Yeah, I think, especially he's not finished yet, but his career is just amazing. Like, and he's, his longevity, like, I don't know how he's going to do this season, come back from injury, but oh my God. Like, fact that he was able to do it last year what he was able to do with it age 35 like he's incredible so yeah I, I grew up watching Jordan so 
And when he was in his prime, I don't think there was anybody ever better. Like, and he just looked so smooth. His game was so smooth. It was just so, so amazing. You know? He was relentless. Remember those videos? Did you have that video of Jordan when he was, come fly with me? That, come fly with me. Just, what was the yeah. time? There was three, there was three videos that came out. They were all. Oh, we played that. Yeah, we played that at home so much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, yeah I was in college in the like, States when he was. Nobody like Mike. Yeah, yeah. But I'm still not having him at my dinner. It's LeBron at the dinner. Oh, okay, okay. And uh, the fifth person is uh, James Corden. You know James Corden? So he'd be, oh, like, wait, interviewing everybody. <laughs> he'd be interviewing everybody. I could just listen. He'd be, I think he's great crack. I love watching him on... Uh, What's that sports channel? The sports program on Sky. Um, a League of Their Own. League of Their Own, yeah. With Jamie Redknapp and those lads. Yeah, oh, he's really funny. So, And then, of course, he could give us a song as well. He's used to doing carpool karaoke. So. He's a decent enough voice as well. Yeah, yeah. He give a us decent a song, singer, so. yeah. That's that's an interesting five. That's all I'm going to say. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So that's are it. you going to cook for them or are you going to order out? No, I'm not cooking. <laughs> I actually do a lot of cooking in our house, but it's not because I'm good at cooking. Okay. It's because I kind of, my wife doesn't like cooking either, so I do the cooking. And it's basically if it's a, if it's if it's a spaghetti bolognese, it's it's coming from the jar, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, I do burritos or something or fajitas or I do steak or something. It's all basic. It comes from the jar, whatever you can get in Tesco, you know. So. Dalmio or whatever you know so um i do the cooking we try and include a lot of fresh veg and all that kind of thing but it, but i'm not a good cook i do the cooking but i'm not a good cook so i wouldn't want those lads at my dinner to be getting my cooking so we'd order in i think and somewhere probably local if it's my house we'd, henry grattan's here in selbridge does a nice takeaway you know you can get uh, normal food kind of i'd probably go in for steak and chips that'd be oh, I think a nice basic meal everybody. for me Everybody will take steak yeah. and chips. There's nobody arguing with steak and chips. I don't think so. Like that's, I like uh, chicken wings and all that kind of thing. And, but I think that's too messy for this type of dinner. You want to be chatting yeah. to people and stuff. Yeah. You don't want to be having your face covered. No, definitely, kind of... not. definitely not. Um, what was I going to say to you? I was, I'm following Emmett, your brother, over on, uh, on Instagram on his, his, his fitness journey. And I actually yeah. said, I wrote a cookbook during, during the first lockdown. I'm a chef now. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I knew so you were a chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, wrote I didn't know you wrote a cookbook. Yeah, I wrote a cookbook. I actually sent it on to Emma. I must send it over to you. It's like so. Oh, simple. do send it to me. Yeah, and it's a bit of crack. Uh, you know what I mean? It's my family would love if I came up with something new instead of doing the same. <laughs> There's plenty same of new stuff, stuff there for you. I'll send. It, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll knock it over to you because yeah, I sent it to Emma and said, look, have a look at that. I don't know whether you'll use it or not, but look, I'll, I'll send it yeah, over. Please. But yeah. It, it'll be yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. His tastes are a bit strange now. Emmett doesn't like it's very, very healthy. Emmett has to be very, very healthy. So. Yeah. Well, I'm liking the new Emmett, though. I'm liking this, you know, yeah, head down, yeah. driven. Like good it's, man. Yeah. it's interesting. Right, no, he's fair play to him. Yeah. No, he's always been that kind of character. He's been so determined. Like, even. Yeah. And he married he a good Kill the Man girl as well. So hard. Sorry. He married a good Kill the a girl as well. That's always. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, we take over the world. So, last question, Dave. Look, before before we wrap it up, I just want to say thanks for giving up your time. Um, been great having you on. Been great talking to you again after all these years. Hopefully, you'll get to see me playing in a, in a Vincent's jersey one day. Oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> Might freak you out a little bit. It still freaks me out, especially when we go into that yeah, hotel. Oh, on, on three. Mortal Vincent. enemy. When we were younger, the mortal enemy. Yeah, match down. They were our rivals. Like. Yeah. We played Year. them in like every, every final every year it was Vincent's match Vincent's round. Vincent's yeah, match that was it. Yeah, look, yeah. Look, look at me now. <laughs> look at you, yeah. Fair play to you. Look, that's that's what I do now with Garrett Winders. That's all I'm saying. Garrett Winders is to blame. And thanks as well, because look, I'm delighted I'm, I'm actually back playing, so I can't really argue with him. But look, thanks a million, yeah. Dave. I wish no, wish you really well me. with your uh, with your fitness programs with the skills and getting back out into the world and hopefully more business will come your way and you'll be flat out busy that's what i want from everybody yeah, yeah. i know you know what i mean yeah um, we're hoping gonna do a few camps over the summer and stuff i'm actually gonna start doing a bit of work there's a new club out here uh, called north Kildare basketball club 
Yes. And my kids might start playing with them. So that could be my next club that I'm involved in. So brilliant. And um, we're doing a few camps with North Kildare over the summer. Hopefully we'll have three or four weeks. Send me over the details and I'll camps. throw it up on the on the podcast Instagram page. And, uh, you know, any any help you. with yeah, you, yeah. I definitely will do, you know. Just waiting on venues and stuff, but it's it's exciting. Yeah. I like being out in a new involved with a new club, you know, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. I'll always keep the connection with Vincent's, of course, and uh, my kids, my lads want to, if they want to switch to Vincent's later on in their career, maybe they oh, can they do that. To, but, yeah, a, yeah. There has to be something in the contract there that they get to go. We'll keep an eye on that, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it's great to be uh, involved in the youth club out here, yeah. Yeah, it's exciting times, all right. So last question, who would you like to see on the podcast? Oh, yeah, I'd... Uh, I, I know a few people have already said Joey Boylan, but definitely uh, recommend him. Like he'd have some stories. He's I would love knows, Joey. Nobody knows Irish basketball better, I don't think. Like no. he played obviously through the eighties and then coached nineties, two thousand. I think he set a record for playing in every like three or four decades or something because he used to register himself when he was coaching. He registered himself as a player. And he got on, I'm not, not sure when the last year, I think he might have sold himself on in 2010. So he played in like four different decades or something like Amazing. that. Amazing. Amazing. So he would have some stories. Um, I'd say somebody, maybe Calvin Troy, could you get Calvin on? I have that reached be, out to KT. He would have some, he was some man. He lived, he lived not too far from Vincent's when I was growing up, so. He used to be always be around. You'd see him like walking around, like in, he, he ran a B and B or something near us. And uh, he used to stop us because he knew, like obviously we were basketball players, and he'd stop us. And he was like, "Hey, hey, man, how's it going?" And always, he's so friendly and always kind. He always wanted to talk to you. Yeah, just such a personality, like so amazing. Yeah, such a great player, like great player. I'll, ne- I'll always just remember the Rolo, the Rolo rims in, in Vincent's when we were growing. Yeah, up. yeah. The, the yeah, I remember. He, he was one of the first ones to ever run a camp in Ireland. Yeah, that was in Vincent's. Yeah, yeah Easter right. camps. Easter camps. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? Unbelievable. KT would be a good um, yeah. Anybody else? I was thinking, uh, probably people have said probably Liam McHale, have they? I'd say he'd be good. Liam, I'd, I'd love to get Liam. I want to tell play you, I did want to get times. your two brothers. Emma. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're two on my hit list. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd say they might have a different slant on things for me, yeah, so, yeah, and Carl played, Carl played, like, a lot earlier than we did, he played in the 80s, he played his first season when he was 17, you know, so, he played with Calvin, I think he played a year with Calvin, he played with Laverne Evans and those guys, and, you know, and then he obviously played then up into the the 90s as well, but, because he started so young, and I didn't start until I came back from college. I started yeah. when I was 22. So I nearly played in a different year than Carl. And we played together for like four or five years, but Carl had to stop when he was 25. I oh, know he played Gaelic when he was 25. He took up the guy again and got in a Dublin panel and all that. So he was still playing a bit uh, for a few years. And then I think he was 28, 29. He had to stop because he was playing. He got the job in basketball Ireland. So, so his career was cut a bit short, but he, he played from when he was so young that he played in that area, you know. So that's a different, yeah, be inter- interesting. totally different slant on it, yeah. Interesting to get his take on things. And look, he has, I'm sure, 101 Joey Boylan stories as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> look, Dave, Hopefully thanks we a can tell you off camera. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's one. That's the uh, over 18s version. That's that's a different one. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do that from live from McGowan's when everything opens back up. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Shot Clock Podcast on tour, McGowan's Fibsborough. That's a definite night out. <laughs> um, yeah, now you're Vincent's man. That's your spot, yeah. That's your spot local. now, allegedly. Yeah, so I've been told. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, Dave, thanks a million for your time. Um, stay in touch. Get on. Thanks, get thanks for having me. Really enjoyable. No problem. Keep up the good work. I'll do my best. That's all I can do. <laughs> Take it easy. Cheers, Dave. Hey, everybody. Uh, that was the Dave Donnelly episode. Head over to Instagram. So it's Team Donnelly versus Team Scully for a change. And we can also head on over to our uh, Spotify warm-up list where you'll get Dave's songs. Um, And now the Shot Clock podcast is now available on seven major uh, podcast networks. 
So wherever you get your podcasts, there's no excuse anymore to tune in to all our episodes. And until next time, this is Jago saying, firstly, hope you're enjoying being back. And secondly, I'll see you on the cartoon.